one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Elizabeth Kawaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Darren Lehman. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to the Unplayable Podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to preview the first Magellan Ashes Test at the Gabba. And to do that, we've got a man who played in 15 Ashes Tests, Mr. Mike Hussey. Welcome, Mike. Thank you very much, Sam. Yep, great to be here again. Now, we're not far away from the first Ashes Test, so let's get right into it. We're going to preview both sides, starting with the hosts. And they've got a new opening combination. David Warner will partner Cameron Bancroft, the debutante. I think it's be David Warner's 11th partner opening the batting for Australia. Uh, Mike, what's going to be going going through the heads of, of Warner and Bancroft and they walk out there ready to face a new ball from Anderson and Broad. Well, I think there'll be a lot of nerves and uh, a lot of anxiety, no, no question. Probably more so for someone like Cameron Bancroft to be making his uh, test debut uh, in an Ashes test match. Uh, what a great experience. Um, I'm sure, yeah, they'll, they'll, there'll be a lot of emotions uh, racing through their body, but they'll just want to get that first run off the bat on the board for Australia, and uh, and that'll calm the nerves a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a big big move from the selectors, uh, and I think Cameron Bancroft. Congratulations! You know he just basically pounded the door down with runs and runs at the right time. You know, getting a double hundred the week before the Test team is picked. Unfortunately for Matt Renshaw, he just couldn't get any form going in the Sheffield Shield. And uh, but you got to remember, he's only a young guy, and uh, hopefully he'll go back, play well for Queensland, score plenty of runs, and and we will see him in, in Australian cars again. At some time down the future, but uh, yeah, well done to ba- uh, Bancroft. Um, I think I think he deserves to be selected. Um, you know, to open the batting uh, with David Warner for Australia. And you could walk into a Test match with no one else better at the other end. If David Warner's firing, Cameron just has to do his own thing, rotate the strike, and get Warner back on strike. Yeah, well, exactly. I, I think he's probably. Bancroft is in the same sort of a mould as a Renshaw, you know, likes to battle long periods of time, good solid technique, um, good temperament for test cricket and, and complements David Warner really well. Um, I guess the only other added bonus about Bancroft is a right-hander, so the English bowlers are going to have to adjust from bowling to left-hand, right-hand, left-hand, uh, right-hand again and, and, and that, that can work in, in Australia's favour, um, although, you know, you look at the English bowlers and they're pretty experienced, I'm sure they've done it well over the years, but um, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's He's a very, very fine player. Um, Cameron Bancroft was so close to playing a couple of years ago for, on that tour to Bangladesh, which was uh, cancelled in the end. So good reward for him for putting good runs on the board. And what would you say to a debutant like Bancroft in his first Ashes test, Mike? I, I think the the hardest thing is all the distractions on the on the periphery, you know, especially with an Ashes series, where there's so much hype, so much attention, so much so much media speculation, and, and uh, uh, it's really difficult just to sort of block out everything that's going on on the periphery and just focus on what you need to concentrate on. You know, you would have been playing Sheffield Shield cricket, where you know you're just going about your business quietly, preparing well, and going out there and playing with not too much, uh, you know, focus on you. But uh, now there's going to be a lot of focus on on Cameron Bancroft, um, and it's sometimes it's, it's easy just to get distracted. Um, you know, there's going to be people wanting tickets and family wishing him all the best, and uh, you know, it's a, it, it's a sort of a difficult time to stay focused. So, 
my only advice would be just to try and you know be polite i guess but just make sure your preparation is the most important thing and, and get that 100 percent right at the loss of the first week it will be the number three usman kawaja he's been out of the test side for the tours in asia but he comes back and he's a really he really is a, a fantastic batsman on home soil he averages 63.73 you've worked a lot with him Mike at the Sydney Thunder. What are you expecting from Usman this summer? Well, I think he's a fantastic player anywhere in the world. I know his results maybe haven't suggested that uh, overseas, but yeah, you, you mentioned in Australia, he's he's phenomenal. Um, and he started the Sheffield Shield season off extremely well. Uh, and, and, and that is important. He's coming into this Ashes series in good touch, runs under his belt, feeling confident about his game. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I'm, he's it's a pivotal place, that number three position. And I'm just glad that he's coming into the series uh, feeling good about his game. I think that's really important. If he can get off to a good start, then I think he'll have a very, very strong series. Um, but, you know, if England can get on top of him early, then, um, you know, maybe he's, you know, he'll find it a bit tougher. But, uh, but no, all, all looks good, I think. I think he's playing really well, confident, uh, important player for Australia at number three. Do you reckon he'll be able to handle the likes of Broad and Edison if the ball is swinging around early on and if he's out there at the loss of an early wicket? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think his technique's really good. Uh, he, he's got a very good temperament as well. I think he reads the game well, when to attack, when to perhaps just dig in and, and hang in there for a while. Um, and, and as I mentioned, he's confident at the moment. So he's seeing the ball well. He's, he's moving into good positions. And, uh, yeah, I... I'm backing him in. I think he'll have a good series. All right. The middle order of Steve Smith, Peter Hanscom and Sean Marsh. What's the key to batting at home in the middle order? You've played there so often in Test Match Cricket. Working together, how do they go about it? Oh, I th- you're right. It is a crucial part uh, of the batting order, but they quite often can be the best place to bat you know in Australian conditions where the pitches are a bit faster and bouncier and, and the, the shine on the kookaburra ball doesn't last forever so if you can come in you know when that ball's lost a bit of its shine the pitches just settled down a little bit it can be a beautiful time to bat in Australia we've got beautiful true pitches so you can really cash in and score some big runs however it is really important to build big partnerships through the middle and make sure that you've got those middle order players there when the second new ball uh, comes into play. Um, you don't want the English um, attacking the tail um, when that second new ball comes on. You want to have set batsmen and those set middle order batsmen. Well, ideally, you'd have Warner and Bancroft still there then, but you know, uh, if, if it's the middle order, you, you've got to have some of those middle order set batsmen um, once that second new ball comes around because that's a, a crucial time where um, you know, you've got to try and work your way through that period again. The Australian team suffered a couple of collapses, you know, almost per test in the last 12 months, especially away in last summer against the South Africans, and the middle order were right in the middle of that. Do you see that being a problem with this group, Mike? Well, I certainly hope not. Uh, it, it seems like from listening to a lot of the press conferences that the, the Australian team are aware of it and they're um, desperately trying to um, improve in that department. So I'm sure there's been a lot of talking about it and throwing around different ideas on how to improve it. Um, but at the end of the day, it comes it comes back to those guys. And, and again, you're talking about those that core, that middle order, have to be the ones that, when it's tough, just get stuck in there and, and do the hard yards and, and get through those tough periods. And then you always reap the rewards later. If, um, uh, so, so yeah, I, I think I think they can do it. They're all good enough, you know. The, the names you've mentioned there, uh, Hanscom and Sean Marsh, Steve Smith, are all quality players. And uh, uh, in our conditions, um, where generally the batting pitches are pretty good, uh, hopefully they can get through any uh, tough situation. How good Steve Smith going? Can he possibly keep up this just extraordinary run of form? Can he just keep churning out all these runs at number four as the Australian captain? <laughs> 
Well, well, everyone hopes so. You, you sort of think, surely there's got to be a quiet time for Eno, but we've been saying that for the last two or three years. Um, every batsman goes through a period where things just don't quite go to plan. So if not Warner, Steve Smith, the, the crucial man in this team, we need him to have a big series for Australia to really you know, pile up a big score, whether it's in the first innings or the second innings. And... Um, but, yeah, I think he's just got to a stage now where he just knows what works for him. People often talk about his technique. It's a bit unorthodox and he walks wrong, long way across the crease. But, you know, it's really effective for him. He's figured out how he scores runs and sticks to it. And he's just so hungry to score runs all the time. So he's been amazing to watch over the last few years. Let's hope that that great run can continue for, I don't know, many years to come, but uh, certainly for this Ashes series. Tim Payne is going to be a big keeper and coming at, at number seven. Mike, what do you reckon he's been going through this past week? <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of excitement. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure he's a little bit shocked as well uh, about his selection, but... Um, grab it with both hands good on him um and and you know make make that position his own he's been given a offline really it's amazing to think that he almost retired from first class cricket because tassie weren't sure whether they were going to contract him or not so um you know it's an amazing turnaround um amazing considering that he hasn't really played sheffield shield cricket this summer uh, he played one game just as a batsman wasn't even the keeper um, but he's a very good player now, he has played for Australia before, so he's got that experience. Uh, and the selectors obviously believe that he's the best wicketkeeper in the country. So uh, good on him, and, and we wish him all the best. Mike, I always think of wicketkeepers as like referees. If you don't notice them, they're doing a good job. How much scrutiny <laughs> will be on Payne and his glove work in that first test? Yeah, I'm sure everyone will be watching pretty closely. And um, But I, I guess he's just got to try and block all that out and just concentrate on what his job is in the team. And that'll be to, yeah, obviously keep extremely well, keep the boys G'd up in the field, um, chip in with some handy runs as well and, and just do that um, job the best he possibly can. If I was him, I wouldn't bother reading the media or listening to the commentators or anything. You know, that that's that, he doesn't need to be focusing on all that sort of stuff. He just needs to focus on his job in the team and um, and, and don't get distracted by all those external distractions that are that are going to come by because, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about um, him his selection in, in the, that Australian team. And I know um, you said that it doesn't didn't really affect you as a player when the keeper was chirping off a little bit, giving a little bit of dance behind the stumps. But I mean, it's pretty clear that they've gone that way. Um, Payne is a guy that doesn't mind saying a few words behind the stumps, same as Wade. Pete Neville, not that kind of guy. Um, I wonder how much he'll get into the face of the English in his first test back in seven years. Well, I don't know. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But I don't necessarily think he has to be right in the faces of the English um, uh, players at all. I think I think what they're just requiring from that wicketkeeper is obviously number one to be the best wicketkeeper, catch everything, stump, you know, make all the chances, uh, get the stumpings when, whenever they arise. Um, but uh, also, number two, contribute with the bat. And then number three, give plenty of energy behind that, behind those stumps. You know, really encourage the bowlers, encourage the fielders. Yeah, you know, a few little wisecracks to the English might not go, go astray either. But um, I, I think that's probably the third priority uh, in the job. Nathan Lyon, four years ago, was a little bit under the radar when Mitchell Johnson was bowling Thunderbolts at the other end. He went just calmly went about his business and took 19 wickets. He's a senior member of the team. He's the most experienced player in the team, Mike. Um, just how big a role is he going to have, not only in this first test, but the entire summer? Oh, I think you'll find he's going to have a huge burden um, this, this series, the, the whole series. And, and the reason why I say that is, 
the selectors picking an out-and-out batsman uh, at number six in Sean Marsh, who, who won't bowl, uh, rather than going for an all-rounder to help out with the ball. So now Australia only have the four um, bowlers. I, I guess Steve Smith can help out with a few overs, perhaps David Warner as well. Um, but I think what you'll find is someone like a Nathan Lyon will have to bowl uh, quite a few more overs. So it's going to be important for Australia that he bowls well. Uh, and maybe... That, that might be an area that England might try and expose. If they go try and put some pressure on Nathan Lyon and hit him off his line and length, um, then that might put a bit more pressure on the rest of the Australian attack. But I think Nathan Lyon will actually enjoy that and it could bring him into the game a little bit more. And the Gabba, for all that's um, talking about being a fast, bouncy wicket, shame more love bowling there because of that, because of the pace and bounce. And Nathan Lyon has a great record up there. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the spinners do enjoy bowling there for, for that exact reason. It... it bounces but also if it does turn it turns sharply as well it's not a slow turn where the batsmen have time to to react and work the ball away wherever they want to because it happens so quickly yeah you don't have time to adjust suddenly it's hitting the gloves short leg comes into the game and Nathan Lyon someone that does get a lot of overspin on the ball so that's why it, it yeah if there's spin but it'll spin quickly and it'll also bounce and how about this fast bowling attack? Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood are in the papers today saying it could be the best Ashes attack of all time. They haven't played a test match together though, Mike. How much is it going to be of that unknown, I guess, of those three playing in a test match together? They only just recently played in a first-class fixture together. So I think there still will be a little bit of um, finding each other out and exactly what roles they're going to play in this test match. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a big call saying this is the best Ashes uh, attack in history. Uh, there's been some pretty good attacks mm-hmm. over the years, but... Um, um, let's hope that let's hope that, that comes true. If you know if they do turn out to be the best in history, then I think Australia are going to win the series and win it really well. Uh, it is a pretty fearsome attack, I, I must admit, and I think they complement each other well. Um, Stark being left arm, swing the new ball, swing it late. He can also swing the old ball with reverse swing, uh, menacing against the tail. Um, obviously, Pat Cummins being right arm, you know, just as quick, can swing the ball both ways is, is pretty handy as well. And then you've got Josh Hazelwood, who's just Discipline, line and length, good pace, good height, bowls, um, bowls well in Australian conditions. So, um, yeah, it's an excellent attack and, and complements each other well. That They are still going to have to work hard, I'm sure. Um, and, yeah, you talk about that continuity. That'll just continue to grow the more they play together and they'll start working more uh, in, in partnerships together. And um, no, they're, they're a fantastic group. Mitchell Stark, as you said, he, he just mopped up the tail at will. And he does that by going around the wicket and he gets a late reverse swing in the ball because he sort of undercuts it with that real low left arm and almost straightens on pitching. Do you think he should do that more often in test matches, Mike? Well, I think he will, but you need to do it at the right time. Like, There's no point trying to bowl like that with the brand new ball in your hand. You want to try and get the seam up and swing it back into the right-handers. But once that ball gets old... Uh, and you know it's not going to swing conventionally. That's when you know he, he tries to go for the reverse swing um, style of bowling, and, and that's it's so hard to play. If he's coming round the wicket, angling into the right hander, and then getting the ball to to tail away from them uh, at very late at good pace, it's almost impossible to play. And, and you know if you're a tail end batsman, that's why he can just take those quick wickets in clumps. And you know we saw him pick up two hat tricks in a Sheffield Shield game against WA. But that's the reason why, because the tail have got no idea on how to play it. Most top order batsmen struggle you know playing playing that sort of bowling so uh yeah it, he, he's going to be very important for australia um yeah to get those clumps of wickets you know if you can grab one grab two or three in a row obviously that's good to try and bowl the opposition out but also it just gets all the momentum going in your direction 
All right, let's have a look at the English Mike and their top order. They've got a new partnership up the top as well. Uh, Ex-captain Alistair Cook and Mark Stoneman. He's, uh, they've linked up over there in England uh, in their summer as the 12th partner, I think, from, uh, for Alistair Cook since Andrew Strauss retired in 2012. Stoneman's been in good form uh, on tour. Lots of runs for him, but in Australia, it's a different story. Mike, how do you see this partnership going with Cook not being in the greatest nick at the moment? Yeah, well, it's going to be very important for England to get off to a good start, um, try and take the shine off the new ball. Yeah, you mentioned. Um, I, I feel as though Alistair Cook's had a slow start to the um, to the tour so far, but just started to build a little bit of momentum and form at the back end of the uh, practice game. So he's got a couple of starts, good starts under his belt, and some time in the middle, which is going to be important. We know he's a classy player, and if he can if he can start the series well, then. Um, he's going to be hard to stop for the whole series because he, he's, he's a bit like a marathon man. You know, once he gets going, he just keeps going and going and going. But if, if he can get on top of him early and get a few doubts in his mind, then, then um, hopefully he can have a, a more of an inconsistent series. As for Stoneman, yeah, I, I feel like he's, um, he's prepared well. Uh, he's scored, scored some runs, got some time in the middle. But as you mentioned, it's going to be a much different kettle of fish in the uh, middle of the Gabba with um, three extremely fast bowlers uh, coming in and bowling uh, bowling heavy balls at, at him um, it's going to be a you know it's going to be a great challenge for him but uh, I think at least he's coming into the series with some form under his belt and, and some confidence which is going to be important Mike if you're England if you're Joe Root and the pitch is good you know it's, you know, it's pretty much now what you're going to get at the Gabba are you automatically batting first and would, if that was the case and England do bat first do you think Australia would mind that uh, well, it's it's a bit early to say, you know, considering you need to look at the pitch. But yeah, generally speaking, I think England will not make the same mistake that <laughs> Nasser Hussain made all those years ago, and and you know it's been replayed ad nauseum. So uh, I, I think even if they thought about bowling, uh, just the fear of what's happened in the past would stop them doing it. But you know, you're right. It, it, it can be a little bit juicy on the first day, and the ball can move around a little bit. But the thing is, what people, you know maybe get fooled by is that because if there's a bit of moisture in there on that first day, it quite often seems too much and it does it really slowly so that you might see a lot of plays and misses and the scoring rate might not be as fast as, as what you would expect. But you can you can hang in there and you can survive. Whereas on day two, the pitch dries out a little bit. Um, it starts coming through a lot quicker. It doesn't quite do as much, but it does it faster. And that's when you find you, you get the nicks and um, and they seem to carry uh, through the keeper and the slips a lot easier. So quite often, it's a little bit better to bowl on the second day than it is on the first day. Well, there you go. James Vince, he'll be out there at number three uh, at some point, hopefully early for the Australians. He's um, sort of in the second phase of his career. He played seven tests early on, averaged only 19, but he's in... Oh, he's made a lot of starts on tour so far. Scores of 82, 33, 29, and 26. And he's played for the Thunder, your mighty Thunder, um, Mike Hussey. What's, I mean, what's going through James Vince's head? He, he sort of got plucked from obscurity um, to get on this <laughs> tour, and now he's going to bat at number three in, in what is a really pivotal position. Yeah, you're right. It's a really important position for England. Uh, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's excited. Uh, about the opportunity, um, but there'll be some nerves there as well and some anxiety about facing that Australian attack and, and, and also understanding how important that position is. He, he, yeah, he'll be, he'll be, there'll be a bit, there'll be a lot of anxious moments there. So again, it'll be important for him to start the series well, get his confidence up, get some time in the middle and, and 
quite often the more you're facing the, the bowlers, that, that's when you, you start getting used to them and you can build some good plans on how to score runs against them. So I think for a lot of these English batsmen that haven't really played much in Australia before or haven't seen this attack much, they'll just be looking to try and spend as much time against them as possible. Just, just It becomes easier the more you do it, I guess. So... Um, yeah, he, he's going to be challenged, no question. Um, a lot, a lot of the time, it's again dealing with those external distractions as well. Can, can he block out all that hype, all that attention, the huge crowd, you know, all, all that sort of stuff out of his mind, and really just focus on that ball coming down to him? Now he's a glorious cover driver. James Vince loves it, pitched up and mowing them through their covers. But it's also also been his downfall because he loves it so much, he goes looking for it, and sometimes it's a ball that's not quite there. Do you think that's that'll be the tactics? By the Australians to just put it up there, put it up there, put it up there, then maybe have a couple of gullies, an extra cover or something there. Do you often, do you sometimes attack a batsman's strengths, hoping that they go for it too much? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure uh, the Aussies have done their homework on all of the English players and they'll have some good plans in place. Um, and yeah, if they've noticed that that's a shot that he gets out to a lot, um, that they'll definitely target it. I, I don't think you can just go there all the time because he'll be ready for that. But um, perhaps you sort of just keep it tight, keep it tight, keep it tight, and then you throw a full wide one out there hoping he's going to go for the big cover drive and, and that's where he might be able to find the nick. So I, I'm sure they would have spoken about it a lot. They would have watched a lot of footage and, um, and yeah, really done their planning and their homework on, on yeah, not just Vince but uh, all the players. Now, I don't think it goes without saying that Joe Root will be the key wicket for England. He's going to come in at number four. Um, this is his first Ashes series as captain. Doesn't get much more pressure than that, Mike. Um, are you confident he'll be able to handle it and be able to score as prolifically as he, do- as he has done in the past? Well, this is the guy that I'm really keen to watch this summer. Um, he's, you know, in that sort of group of the best batsmen in the world with a Virat Kohli and um, Steve Smith, Kane Williamson. I'll probably throw A.B. de Villiers in there as well. You know, they're all in that sort of group that are spoken about. But these are the sort of series where you can really enhance your reputation. And, and as you mentioned, all those things, first uh, Ashes captaincy um, for England. Um, he's a pivotal man in that batting order. Can he score runs? He struggled last time he was in a, here in Australia. So I'm sure there's all those pressure is going to be uh, whirring around in his mind, but I'm actually backing him in. I think the lessons he would have learned from um, his previous tour here to Australia, he, he'll, he'll you know take some of those and into this series. And I think he just just deep down he'll be really excited about this challenge um, of leading England uh, here in Australia. Uh, I, I, I think he's got some quality quality about him as a player, but also as a character. And I think that might come through this series. So I'm actually backing him in to have a pretty good series. Now, the Australians were warned not to sledge Virat Kohli because he thrives on it, and they sledged him anyway. <laughs> he, didn't have a, he didn't have much of a tour in India earlier in the year. What's the tactic in that respect to Joe Root? Do you give it to him, or do you do, you do a sort of a Kevin Peterson and not say anything? What's what, what would be your approach? What do you think the Australians' approach would be sort of verbally out there to Joe Root? Yeah, it's a good question I'm not sure which way they're going to go um, it'll probably come down to the individual uh, the, the individuals out there um, but uh, I'm sure there'll be some tactics used to try and unsettle him and put him off his game I, I, I don't think it'll really affect someone like a Joe Root too much and I don't think he'll really engage in it too much so I would probably go a slightly different path and um, set, you know, just a few crazy little fields and get his, get his mind thinking about what sort of plans they've got set for him um, rather than sort of just going the verbal approach, which he's probably expecting to a degree. Now, go, go the other way and, uh, yeah, just, 
just try and get his mind thinking about something else or some silly plan that the Aussies are working on that um, uh, that might put him off his game. Did that ever happened to you, Mike? Were you more put off by those sort of strange or odd field settings as opposed to both sledging there? Yeah, well, I, I didn't mind the sledging. In fact, I think the sledging actually helped me. It just kept my mind on the job, and um, I, uh, I didn't really. I knew they were just trying to put me off my game. But yeah, when when they started setting some weird and wonderful fields, I think, okay, well, hang on, what what are they trying to do here? Uh, what are they? What plan are they working to here? And and quite often, I get a little bit stressed and a little bit worried. And and again, taking my mind off what was important. So uh, yeah, I, I think that would be a better tactic. All right. Uh, the big problem with England in, this, in their summer was the two, three, and five. We've talked about the two and the three. The five is David Malam. Uh, he's a bit of an unknown, experienced player. Um, he's done very well on the tour, a couple of 50s and 100. From all reports, he enjoys these conditions. Then, what, what do you know about David, if anything, and, and what do you expect from him? Well, I don't know much about him uh, at all, so I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him and seeing how he goes. Uh, I'm sure the Aussies will really test him out. Uh, they'll be yeah they'll be testing him out with everything I think plenty of short stuff they might they might try and get in under his skin uh, yeah they'll they'll really try and work and test his technique out but I'm sure again they would have done their homework on him and uh, tried to find any weaknesses he's got in his game and, and they'll try and exploit it but yeah I, I'm looking forward to watching to see how he handles this challenge uh, one that the technical challenge um, that these bowl, that the Australian bowlers are going to give him but but also the mental side of the game has he got the temperament to, to get through those tough situations has he got the temperament to handle all those uh, distractions going on in the periphery and um, and yeah England are going to need probably two of those um, unheralded three two of those three unheralded players to have good series for them to uh, be really competitive in this series and the engine room for England is not going to have Ben Stokes, at least not for the first two tests. Uh, well, not for the first test, we know that for sure. Johnny Bairstow is going to bat at number six. Moen Alley, who's done so well at number eight, he's, gone, he's probably going to come in at number seven. And then Chris Wokes is likely to bat at number eight. How crucial is it going to get to be able to get runs out of those three players, uh, especially if that top order is a little bit rickety and, and doesn't fire as they would like? Well, that's going to be hugely important to get runs uh, from, from those players. Um, oh. I, I, you don't know how often you see, you know, these sort of guys coming in when England have been in a bit of trouble, uh, you know, maybe five for 150 or something. And uh, Bairstow, you know, uh, he's, a, he's a real good fighting player and gets through those tough situations, scores big runs. Moeen Ali is a little bit more graceful and, and loves to play shots, can score very quickly. Uh, and they just seem to get England out of trouble. Um, but can they can they do it here in Australian conditions? It, that, that's going to be the test. When there's a little bit more pace, a little bit more bounce, um, oh, it'll be very interesting to see how they go. And, and there's going to be big pressure on them to, to score those runs as well. So, yeah, I, I can't wait to see how that one plays out. Um, it will be – I think, yeah, this could be a crucial part – uh, of who can win, um, you know this. Well, this test match, but even the series. How these sort of guys can play in that middle to lower order, how many runs they can score. If if they can score big, um, then they'll get England into a position where they feel like they can win test matches. If if Australia just knock them over cheaply, then I, I think Australia could run through England um, a, a number of times throughout the series. They said that uh, England might attack Nathan Lyon and try and put him off his game, but. I've got no doubt that the Australians will target Moen Alley. Offspinners don't have a very good record. Uh, apart from, well, touring offspinners don't have a very good record here in Australia. Harbajan, morally, some of the best in the world, best of all time, have not performed down 
very well down here. How do you think he's going to go, Mike? And like you said with Nathan, might it play in Ali's hands if they do go after him? Yeah, I don't think he should be underrated. Personally, I've watched a little bit of him bowl, and I actually think he's pretty good. <laughs> um, again, yeah, he will be challenged in Australian conditions. The the margin for error uh, for spinners, and particularly off spinners, is very small, and and that's why Nathan Lyon is has had so much success because he's so accurate and he's so disciplined with his lines and lengths. So Moeen Ali is going to have to match that, but he gets good revs on the ball. He he does try and spin it, and and as you mentioned, the Aussies are going to look to probably be very aggressive against him. So that might bring him into the game, but I, I certainly wouldn't be underestimating him at all. He's a good cricketer. And finally, the uh, the veteran new ball pair of James Anderson and Stuart Broad. Uh, they've had mixed tours down here before. Anderson good in 2010-11 against you, Mike, and then Broad four years ago was probably England's best bowler after Mitchell Johnson blew away the English. They're sort of at the back end of their careers now, the twilight phase. Still very, very good bowlers. But in Australian conditions, do they, uh, do they drop off a little bit, especially when that ball gets a little bit older? Well, from an Australian fan perspective, we hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> but no, from an England perspective, I, I think they're still quality bowlers. Um, and, you know, they've got experience. They know what they know what it takes here. I'm sure they would have learned from lessons in previous uh, tours here in the past. Um, they'll, they'll know in themselves that they're going to have to lead this attack and they're going to have to have good series. And uh, if the conditions are right, um, you know, they're going to be a serious handful for, for Australia. And, you know, we, we talk about the Brisbane Test match. If it's overcast and, you know, uh, uh, there's a bit of humidity there, then the ball could move around a bit because they're definitely very good bowlers or better bowlers when the ball is moving but yeah if the sun's blazing and the pitch is pretty flat and the ball's not moving then they might find it pretty tough i think so uh we'll, we'll see we'll see how they go but you, you know they've been champion players for a long time and you can never ever ever write off champion players because they will always come back and bite you if you do yeah, four years ago james anderson got into the grill of george bailey and michael clark and Mitchell Johnson, he was fantastic theatre out in the middle. He's the vice captain now, and he's a little bit older. Do you think he might rein in a little bit, or do you expect there's still a fiery James Anderson this summer? <laughs> I don't think it's in his nature to rein it in. <laughs> he loves the chat out there in the middle. In fact, I think he needs it. He needs that sort of thing to keep himself going and, and to be feel like he's in the contest. So, uh, no, I'm not expecting him to back down from that at all. Um, yeah, I think that's what he needs to perform at his best. Did he ever, ever say anything to you, Mike, when you're out in the middle? Are you serious? He didn't stop all day. <laughs> he called me Dave for about three hours one day. Uh, uh, that was at the Gabba, you know. Uh, yeah, and so, so after about three hours, I finally said to him, you know, that's my brother Dave. And he still called me Dave for the next hour after that as well. <laughs> that's fantastic. Which way do you think the England team's going to go? We know which way the Australian eleven's likely to line up. But for England, I'm going to have a stab and say it'll be Cook, Stoneman, Vince, Root, Milan, Bairstow, Ali, Wokes, Broad Anderson, and the one toss-up there is Overton or Ball. I'm not sure which way they'll go with that extra seam bowler, but that seems like a pretty balanced team and one that actually lines up pretty well against Australia. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a it's a pretty good team, um, particularly with the ball. Uh, I think it's just it comes down to a lot of those three unheralded batsmen in the top five. Um, you know, if, if they can fire, then that England team looks quite strong and will be very, very competitive. But if Australia can get on top of those guys, put enormous pressure on Joe Root, um, get Alice to cook out cheaply and then get that to lower order that we spoke about in under pressure, then I think Australia will give themselves a big chance of, of knocking England over cheaply. All right, when we come back, we're going to finish the show with a game of play or leave it. 
Mike, uh, you're aware of the rules of this game. Are you in, how are you hitting them all? Are you hitting them all right these days? Well, I haven't really had a hit for the last year or so, so I don't know how I'm hitting them, but uh, I'll have a go. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right, well, here's the first one. Uh, Mo and Ali to take more than four wickets in the Brisbane match. Uh, you're going to play it or leave it? Oh, I'm going to... Oh, jeez, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to play and then I'm going to let it go. So you don't think he'll take... What do you reckon? Just three, two or three wickets in that match? Yeah, I think he might get a couple. Yeah, maybe maybe three. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right, first one. Second one, uh, the two captains, Joe Root and Steve Smith, to combine for at least 200 runs. Well, I'm going to play at that one. I'll play a nice, firm, straight drive because I think one of them, if they get 100... They're not going to stop at 100. They're going to go on and, and try and make it a big double and, and really um, uh, put a marker down for the whole series. So uh, I'm expecting, yeah, probably more than more than 200, I reckon, between those two. Oh, jeepers. All right. Uh, number three, there will be one stumping, just one stumping in the match. I'll play at that. Yeah, I think there'll be just one. That, that'll be enough. But there might be a few uh, caught in the, close on the leg side. All right, from the offies. Okay. Yeah. All right. Both Pat Cummins and Mitchell start to be clocked at 150 kilometres per hour. <laughs> oh, I'll play. I'll play at that one. Um, yeah, because I'm sure the adrenaline will be pumping. I, I wouldn't want to be playing at this one because uh, that seems very, very fast to me. But, uh, yeah, I I'll, I'll try and hang in there and just fend that one off down to third man. And, you know, Ashes series, they've got the, the fancy logos on the screen. Uh, the speed guns might be clocked up a few, wouldn't they? An extra five days. <laughs> they might just turn them up a touch. You never know. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. In the, in the spirit of Michael Slater, uh, David Warner to hit his first ball for four. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that one go. Uh, I don't think he'll be hitting the first one for four, but he might try and hit the first ball for six. <laughs> you know, the adrenaline out there, if he gets a juicy half volley, as if he's not going to be able to control himself. Yeah, he might try and hit it for six, not for four. <laughs> uh, All right, finally, this one's a little bit tricky. More than three decisions overturned by the DRS. There's going to be a lot of scrutiny on the umps this summer in that first test, so three decisions to be overturned. Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? That's a good question. Uh, no, I'm going to let that one go as well, and the reason being is I, I think you're right. There'll be a lot of scrutiny, and, and every decision is going to be so important, but I think the umpires are going to get them all right. I think they're going to have a, a, a great game, good good uh, seeing conditions at the, uh, at the Gabba, and... Um, Good, good pitch. So uh, I think um, I think they'll get most of the decisions correct. All right, Mike. Uh, we'll finally end on your prediction. Gabba, England haven't won there since 1986. Uh, Australia go in there with a lot of confidence. England, uh, a bit of uncertainty about their 11. Uh, which way are you going? Are you, are you picking Australia to go 1-0 up into Adelaide? I am. I'm picking Australia to win this one. Um, I think they'll win comfortably. But uh, there'll be a few moments throughout the Test match where England will, will compete and compete well. But no, I'm backing the Aussies to, uh, to go 1-0 up in the series at the Gabba. Good on you, Mike. You'll be up there. We'll hear from you and we'll talk to you next week. OK, no worries, mate. Looking forward to the first Test. Should be a beauty. 